0: This is Side of Design from BWBR, a podcast discussing all aspects of design with knowledge leaders from every part of the industry. Hello, and welcome to Side of Design from BWBR. I'm Matt Gerstner, your host for this episode. On this episode, we're going to be digging into the details of planning efficient, state of the art labs that drive innovation and progress. Joining us today are Brian Lapham, Senior Project Manager, and Nate Roizen. Senior project planner, along with Terry Ulrich, principal and director, all lab planners here at BWBR. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. Fantastic. I was wondering if we wanted to go around the room and just introduce ourselves to our listeners. We can start with Brian.
1: All right. Well thanks yeah I've been with BWBR 13 years. I've really been designing labs and especially higher ed labs since I started. I kind of didn't intend to get into it right away, but then uh, a couple of years in really started to lean into it and learn more and more and uh, never looked back. So excited to be here. Yeah, I've been with BWBR about 10
2: years. I've been working with Terry for about 10 years, or basically <laughs> yeah. since day one. Nice. Poor it's thing. been a fun partnership there and I think it's a similar story. My previous job I was designing urban outfitter stores. Really? Uh, so I came into came into the PWER with very little background in this type of thing, but uh, quickly found a, a, a real niche and, and a lot of excitement in the projects that we get to do. So it's been a really great ride.
3: All right. And uh, Terry, I'll work with, I've been here for 17 years. And of that 17, about 15 of them have been working really in the lab environment, both for academic and in corporate situations. And It's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun ride learning about the science and and getting to hear all about what people are doing as far as their research and development and some of the cool things that are coming out of the facilities that we're designing.
0: Very cool. It sounds like we've got a lot of years of experience sitting in this room. That's fantastic.
3: More than some might want to admit.
0: (laughs) So for anyone of our listeners who's not familiar, like, can
2: one of you describe or all of you jump in? Uh, what exactly does a lab planner do? Well, I think as the as the one who probably focuses on lab planning the most because managing projects is a lot less fun. The, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll jump in on that one really we 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 work with the the scientists on the project, whether it's an academic project or a corporate art research and development or production space. And we're working with the people who are coming up with new ideas, coming up with innovations, coming up with new ways of looking at at whatever science this particular client happens to focus on. And so our job is to engage with them and figure out um, what the project needs to be. A lot of times you'll go into a project and they know they need to do something, but no one really knows exactly what, how big is it gonna be, and and what's the organization, and and does it need to be a new building or an existing building? So we're really there right at the beginning helping helping the client figure out some of those very foundational questions. That's fascinating. I mean, it
0: sounds like it sounds like they have they have they know what they do and they know they need to do maybe more of it, (laughs) but they don't necessarily know what the space needs to be or how it needs to look necessarily.
3: Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that, and and we talk about this sometimes at the beginning of a planning session, that's really interesting is when you're working with scientists, it's creative thinking, right? They're looking at a problem that is in the scientific realm and trying to find a solution. And then we have creative thinking where we're looking at a problem in the physical world and trying to develop a solution for them to be able to work in. Okay. And so when you start working with them and you make that correlation that realistically it's the same thought process as far as creative thinking, yeah. it's just different. Media, if you will, it ends up being really intriguing and interesting to find out what you can learn from them.
0: That's cool. That's very cool. So, can you give some examples of labs our teams work on, and what differentiates
1: them? Sure. Yeah, I can. I can start. So, again, working mostly in the academic or the higher education realm, uh, we'll work on a lot of projects that are teaching labs. So, this is the place where the undergraduates or graduate students are are learning the science for the very first time. So, whether it's biology, chemistry, physics, uh, or any other discipline these labs not only have to be able to do the science in them but also hold a class of students and so how that how that space and how the research space aligns to those in different prep rooms and, and needs the teaching labs uh, educational labs are a different sort of lab than a, a true research lab or something where you might be a corporate r&d lab or on the production side are a little different and one of you could speak more to those
3: So the corporate labs are a little bit different than what we have in academic labs, particularly because you are dealing with scientists that have already been taught on how to be a scientist.
1: They know what they need.
3: They know what they need. And so in those lab environments, it's a little bit more, if you will, designing for the specific type of research that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, In the academic world, you might be, it's a little bit more broad, flexible, perhaps when you're looking at teaching. With the corporate environments, we really want to delve into what is it that they're doing in there, really looking at their processes. So those projects are a little different. And we also end up caveating a little bit into sometimes clean room design. Oh, in order for them to be able to manufacture or develop some of the the products that they're working on particularly in the pharmaceutical and med device realm.
0: Okay. Okay. So there's there's different variations going on within this one field whether it's the the educational side or actually out in the field in practice there's there's different
1: things happening across the board, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes they're in the same building and sometimes they're not. Really? So, for example, we'll have like a a smaller higher ed institution. Their one big science building on campus will have to do all sciences. So, you got your biology lab and your biology research. You got microbiology. You got uh, chemistry. If they have any nursing, biomedical, engineering, all of that might be under the same roof. Wow. Versus other bigger institutions will have... A single building for all microbiology research, or something like that.
2: Okay. And to Brian's point, where some things are under one roof. I mean, in the corporate world, you're dealing with all of those scientific disciplines. Whatever whatever product they're making, it's going to need some kind of chemistry testing. It's going to need some kind of microbiological testing, and so there's there's a real overlap between kind of that corporate bucket and that higher ed bucket in terms of the types of activities that are taking place in the lab. Okay. Um, that that really makes it. Kind of an interesting uh, back and forth to kind of have your foot in one versus the other. Slightly different mindsets, but very, very similar language, I would say, in
1: terms of how you uh, approach the parts and pieces of the lab.
3: Yeah. Wow. The science is the same.
1: Yeah. One of the biggest differences, though, and this might be one of your next questions, Matt, is the funding strategy or the decision making, you know, so especially for state institutions where the funding comes from the state You really have to justify the space and put together a feasibility study or pre-design or something. And then that goes to the legislature. They eventually award the, you know, 50, 100 million, whatever it is for the project. And then it eventually gets designed and and built. So there's a lot of uh, justification again for the space and how much space do you need and what are you going to do with that space versus a private institution. They might be fundraising uh, on the higher ed side, you know, fundraising the entire project. So there's a need. They get out there and sell it. They raise the money in months and you're off to the races. You know, and that yeah. that project, we we have this just right now where a project is wrapping up construction for a private institution that started after a state institution. That state institution probably still isn't done. They're just starting to break ground so that the timelines can be really different. There's a different way they make
2: the case on the corporate side Uh, versus the higher ed side. The higher ed side might be looking at a long term strategic goal of we want to attract this kind of students or we know we need this kind of space. And so let's get that ball rolling 10 years from now. So 10 years from now, we have a great building. On the corporate side, a lot of times it's, wow, we've stumbled upon a great new product. We need space. And if we are going to be allocating the money, we need to be showing a return on it fast. And so to Brian's point about the different timeframes of a public versus private institution, there was a public higher ed project that started at the same time in 2020 as a private corporate project. Oh. Private corporate project uh, had its groundbreaking uh, yeah, about a year after design started mm-hmm. and its ribbon cutting about two and a half years after design started. And I think I just saw uh, the university just broke ground on their project about three years after design. Started. Yeah, just a couple. So months that, ago. that different yep. time frame and assembling the funding gaps and 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 you know the the way that the space is justified is such a huge difference between them that have a huge impact on the schedule. That's
0: crazy. That uh, you wouldn't think that that would necessarily happen between the two different fields, even though it's the same it's the same field in essence. That's uh, that's that's pretty fascinating. So. Going to change gears here. What sets labs apart from other types of projects uh, that we do? Uh, you know, are there special like requirements for like code or challenges and opportunities unique to lab planning that are different from the other types of work we do here?
2: I think uh, when I look at or think about lab projects. Every single one of them is incredibly unique, in my experience. There is very little copy-pasting that goes on when we're dealing with a lab project, because all of our clients expect a ton out of these spaces. Oh, yeah. Um, if they're the scientist that's working on the next big breakthrough, they, they need the space to work for them. Mm-hmm. So what, whatever you're trying to do with the space, there is a huge need that focuses a lot of people's attention on what you're proposing. Okay. And that means that you really need to be crafting your design solution for those specific needs. Yeah. There are project types where the same type of space repeats from project to project, and you're able to jump into the details faster and say, okay, okay. really, where does this outlet want to go? Where Where's the best place for the trash to sit in the room? that's not really the case in our in, in in the lab world you really have to be kind of figuring out what the space is every single time right right I can
0: see the being different needs you know based on what the equipment is that they're going to be using in those spaces and how their preferred flow is through a space necessarily that things may move around things may change for that
3: yeah and it's it's a it's many different types of flow so it's oh, okay. not just the flow of people within the space there's also the flow of materials it might be materials mm. coming in it might be samples coming in. And there's also things, of waste going out. Okay. Because some of the waste that might be developed in these, you mentioned codes that there might be some hazardous waste associated with chemicals. So how yeah. do you get not only materials in in a safe way, but also do you, how do you get them out? Right, Where are right. they stored? So there's a lot of different complexities and nuances to these type of environments.
1: Yeah, one of the things that's, that's different in these types of projects is it, it has to work. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing in the lab, and they know that they need... Or maybe they don't know what they're doing. They're experimenting. They're trying different things, but they know they're going to need compressed air and higher voltage power, and uh, they're going to be using some kind of chemicals. From a safety perspective, we need to exhaust that air. So there's things that they expect out of this space. That if you show them a certain design, they'll say, well, I can't do this science in that kind of room because it doesn't have the fill in the blank, right? Or okay. uh, this room has light. I can't do my optics research in a room with daylight. I need to be dark, right? So there are certain things that you have to know and, and you have to understand the science behind it. Right. Um, which was a fun comment we got from a faculty member just a couple of weeks ago. Um, building is, is uh, design is done. And, and he was sharing that, you know, during those design meetings, I was nervous at the beginning. That you all wouldn't understand what I was doing, what I was trying to do, you know, like the science right. itself. And uh, and we love that part. That's our favorite part is getting to know that science and then applying that to the next project. And, uh, oh, OK, I didn't learn that before. But now that you're, you know, so there's always something you're learning from the scientists because we're not scientists. We don't know it like they do. Right. Uh, but we can bring our experience to the next one and, and share. It. I think you need this kind of space. And they'll say, yeah, I do. Thank you for understanding. It sounds like there's a lot of growth happening even with the years of
0: experience that you have you walk in and you meet new people and they're doing different things it sounds like you're you learn a little bit too that you bring into every project
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure hey, i don't know it's one of my favorite parts of the job to continue to learn
3: well it's and and they're always evolving i mean the people that we're working for as as the researchers they're always learning and growing and evolving so that's that's part of the fun
0: yeah with all these projects and all of these different people that we're working with, there have to be some particular challenges that you've encountered along the way. Um, is, is there Are there things that stand out to you? Some specific challenges?
3: One item is that we were talking a little bit earlier about how science evolves and is constantly changing. And sometimes we can't keep up with that speed of evolution. We've had projects okay. before where... We might be designing for a certain particular type of research, and yeah. then they find that maybe that doesn't come to fruition, and so they change paths. And so there's times when you might have to redesign a space. Um, we've also had it where there's uh, labs that are in construction, and all of a sudden they decide there's the next new thing. And so being able to be nimble and adaptable is very inflexible, yeah. is important, don't fall too in love with your designs because chances <laughs> are they're going to change because the the clients are evolving.
1: That's crazy. That flexibility or adaptability sometimes goes the other way too. So sometimes you know an exact process you're planning for and you're designing the whole building around that process, that science, that experiment, whatever the thing is. Other times we'll be designing the building to be a 60, 80, 100-year building, especially in an institution, higher ed campus. And so they want to not design it for the first tenant, but design it for those future researchers who's going to come in in 10 years and 20 years and need something. And so there's, there's some design of the actual lab itself, the space itself, but then it quickly turns into the bigger picture of, well, what about the building systems? You're going to connect to the, the power structure of the whole system. You know, what is the mm-hmm. structural height uh, in the, the lab itself? You could gut this room down to, you know, to the, to the structure, but it's still only going to be so tall. Right. And you can, you know, what are the mechanical system upgrades? You know, do you have to, can you, can you plug into what's there in the future? And that's, that's a hard conversation as well. Cause you don't know what the future is going to bring, but you know, it's going to bring something. Yeah. So what, what can you decide today?
2: Well, and there's also an aspect of personalities that comes into that. That was another one I was going to bring up. Okay. Working with scientists, often very particular in in what their expectations are and what they need, And, and oftentimes when you get them in a group, it's hard to get them to agree on something. Okay. And so a really big challenge that we see from project to project is finding that design idea that everybody can grasp onto and, and really understand uh, why we're proposing something a certain way it's not it's never or it should never be because we like it right It should be because it most effectively needs meets the needs that, that we understand yeah. and for our role to be able to uh, show our work and show our thought processes and then have folks understand the, the drivers behind what we're presenting,
0: we're talking about some challenges here that are going on uh, in in trying to design and trying to meet deadlines and finding that the industry changes before projects are completed. So in thinking of all these things, what makes BWBR's approach to lab planning unique and accomplishing a successful project?
2: I think that we have a design approach where we've seen and have experienced enough spaces that we can quickly get to an idea that the client can respond to in a way that's productive, the understanding of how workflows drive spaces and, and, and what what the client needs and how you craft a space mm-hmm. is, is not something that necessarily comes easily. And so our ability to um, get there quickly allows for more voices to have a real impact on the project We're we're able to kind of keep the design moving ahead of all of their questions as opposed to reacting to them consistently through the project.
1: I think another thing that comes to mind is we do more than just labs. You know, certainly we do higher ed and these research and corporate labs and clean rooms here in the office. but. Uh, we also do healthcare and other things that and we all talk to each other there's a a shared uh, part of the bwbr culture as we learn from each other as well right so it's not just an academic lab planner uh jumping into something and and trying to set up those labs for you know the graduates to um, know what life will be like when they graduate and go work in a lab Mm -hmm. we've designed those labs we know exactly where they're going to go work and so we can bring that expertise to the campuses and say you know we're working with our corporate clients and this is what they're doing in the labs so your students are going to experience this when they graduate. Right. Let's, let's do that now, and, and work back and forth on on those sides. It sounds like there's learning happening both ways,
0: then, too, from the corporate
1: side to the
0: uh, academic side, and quite possibly the other way, and just because we're facilitating in the middle.
2: And I've I've worked on projects with community colleges, and between a two year and a four year. Institution, one of the bigger differences that I've observed is that there's oftentimes real work that happens between the two-year school and whatever local industry is, is in place. And so the, the two-year college is re- really cares about replicating what their graduates are going to see out in the pharmaceutical company that has a plant in town that they're trying to, to um, generate uh, lab techs for. Okay. And so that back and forth of being able to say, this is what a pharmaceutical space looks like, and we can set it up so that it will be a replica of what is happening um, out in the real world. Yeah. Can be a real value as you as you look at those at those higher ed projects or bounce back and forth between the two of them.
1: Right. Yeah, the plants, nursing, engineering, all the different uh, disciplines. Yeah.
3: Well, and I think there are a couple other things that come to mind when it comes to what makes our lab planning approach unique is we have this cross-discipline, right, where we can share information, as, as Brian and Nate have discussed. But besides making the rooms functional and mm-hmm. making sure they work for the process, we also are still architects, and we want to make sure that there's beauty in there, yeah. that, these, that the scientists are coming to a space that not only functions for them, but actually inspires them and is an right. environment that they want to come to. Right. Another aspect that I would be remiss to not uh, bring up is that we are really fortunate that we have two particular people on staff who actually are scientists who started off their career as scientists and right. then switched to the design world. Like, like I mentioned before, you know it's a creative mindset in both ways, and so. We're really fortunate that if there is something from a scientific aspect that we might not understand, we have two scientists that we can pick their brains.
0: That's really cool that that happened. I had the privilege of sitting down with them and talk, and talking about their backgrounds too. That's so it's fa- fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. in some ways a lot of people that would be their dream career. And for them that's what they thought they wanted to do and then they switched to architecture and interior design and found that they could reach more and touch more lives this way which is so cool yeah super privileged to have them on staff so we've talked about challenges you've seen we've talked about bwbr's approach but what opportunities do you see for the future of lab planning or the science and technology uh, environment as a whole
2: well i think that rising construction costs that you see across the industry they're both a challenge but they are also a huge opportunity because they put a ton of pressure on the design team to get the size of the building right. Right. And if you have a, a building that starts off too big, mm-hmm. you are going to end up with a building you cannot afford once the, the pricing <laughs> comes in. Right. And so, uh, in, 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 investing in the the effort upfront to really understand the workflows to understand the volumes that you're looking at to understand the number of people who are working in the space and and set the building up so that you have confidence that it's neither too big mm-hmm. nor too small only makes the role more important in my experience as i as i engage with many projects in this in this current environment i can see that being extremely important right
0: now
3: mm-hmm. i guess i when i think about challenges and opportunities i think about the the fact that Technology and science is, is evolving at even a faster pace. Right. It Seems like with every given year, you get that and exponential. Look, yep. Yeah. And as we look at things like AI coming into the realm, it's always that what is that new thing around the you know around the bend, yeah. and it can be somewhat intimidating, perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's also really exciting right. because as being as working with these group these groups with the scientists and with with the the people who are developing this new technology, mm-hmm. this new science, you're really kind of being on the forefront
0: yeah and i mean with ai the the closer we get to singularity with ai the faster things evolve and the faster the ai outpaces us in the answers and the information that's coming in
3: i mean just like some of the things that you're hearing about ai with genetic testing and things when it comes to finding cures and uh, just it can be mind-blowing yeah
2: i mean uh,
3: it, We're not there it's yet. It's It is
2: absolutely crazy. But who knows? Is there anything else we haven't touched on today? Lab planning is really fun. I mean, I think we've talked about it uh, a, a few different aspects, whether you're thinking about what the visual character of the space is or really getting into the puzzle of a workflow right. of, uh, in the programming process. It's, there are so many different aspects to what you have to do every day uh, that I, I have a tough time imagining a job that's more fun um, than, than the one that I get to do every day. I
0: can appreciate that. I can absolutely appreciate
2: that.
3: can't say it any better than that.
2: That's fantastic. Well, I can't thank
0: you all enough for your time today. Absolutely appreciate everything you've done. Thank you for the great work that you're doing for the company. And to our listeners, we'll see you on the other side. This has been Side of Design from BWBR, brought to you without any paid advertisements or commercials. If you found value in what you've heard today, give us a like, leave us a comment, or better yet, share us with your network. You can also reach out to us if you'd like to share an idea for a show or start a discussion. Email us at sideofdesign@bwbr.com. at